All right, so you guys are more than welcome to come in, find a spot, grab some dessert, maybe a drink or something. So I wanted to start tonight off by just acknowledging the fact how excited I still am about this more to life thing that's going on. Um, and I wanted to commend you guys for doing something that seems somewhat easy, but it's very difficult nowadays, I think. And I also think it takes a lot of guts, which is just showing up. Showing up. The tagline for more to life is adventure inward. And the majority of people think that that's a little scary. And our lives demonstrate that truth. Like to actually adventure inward into yourself, to sit in a room and hear someone talk, and be able to sit there and just have the space and the time and the energy to say, what's going on inside of me? How does this pertain to my life? Sometimes you can unearth crazy things, and I think it takes a lot of guts to show up to a night like this. And so, bravo, thanks for coming. Thanks for doing, what? Well, yeah, no, no, no. So tonight we're gonna do some really hard, and, no. Um, I just think it's interesting. I think it's, I think it's cool that you guys show up, that, that we come, that we meet here. Sometimes, you know, we might talk about something that encourages you or, or makes you think about your life in a different way. And you might think, oh man, after I heard that, now I want to try to live more in touch with this. And as always, your feedback is greatly appreciated. I can't thank you guys enough for the emails, the phone calls, the texts, the talks, the stories. A um, couple you know, weeks ago, we showed that video, and people have been talking about that video ever since. People have been telling me, they come up to me and they're like, man, so I am so hyper aware now of my phone. Like, ridiculously so. To the extent that I put it down when I'm with another human being. And I'm like, yes, yes, this is what we're going for. I've had people just give me tons and tons of stories. So I love the feedback. I greatly appreciate it. Um, anything you can ever offer. In a couple of weeks, like two weeks from now, we're going to actually have a story that talks a little bit more about more to life and just how this is supposed to be the catalyst. This is supposed to be stirring the pot. This isn't supposed to be you sit in a room and you agree with everything Phil says. Hopefully you don't. And then you actually have some questions surface. You have some things that kind of happen. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about in two weeks. But tonight, last time we were together, I said I was done talking about human connection and interaction, and I lied. <laughs> because clearly, if we go down, then we go down together is about human interaction. It's also about the Titanic. So I don't know if any of you thought of that when you saw the title in the email or texts or if when I just said it right now. The first time I mentioned it to my parents on the phone, they were like, oh, Titanic. I was like, that's so funny that you would think about that. And side note, did you hear the latest news on why they think the Titanic really sank? What was the thing behind the thing? Behind the thing? They said there was a fire. Yeah, did you read that? I heard this somewhere. There was a fire on board, and that's why they ramped up the speed, because they were trying to get ashore somewhere to actually contain and control this fire. That's what made them ramp up the speed, which ultimately led to them smashing into an iceberg. Whatever. Anyway, side note. But if we go down, then we go down together. Um, this year, we talked about the word with. We talked about this word already, and how I said that we're hardwired to be with. 
And we talked about being with through all the seasons of life, what that looks like. Whether or not you're around people who are in the same stage and season as you, or whether or not you're around people that are out of sync with those seasons and stages. But the fact that we're hardwired to be with. Last year, we talked about this word. It was a word I created called fourness. Not the number four, but F-O-R-ness. And I defined it as the posture of truly living for one another. And we had a couple of talks where we talked about what that looks like, what it might mean. Hopefully, showing up tonight is going to inspire you, encourage you, strengthen you. Hopefully, it's going to have you wake up tomorrow and be like, yeah, here goes another day. I can do this. I can make this happen. Hopefully, this can open you up to some of your own depth, as well as the depth in the ordinary every day, tomorrow, just all of life and all that it entails the depths of those places. Tonight's talk is titled, If We Go Down, Then We Go Down Together. Now, I want to show a diagram for you. I'm going to have to erase my son's cup of coffee. So recently, I was over in Silverthorne. I was over there when the traffic was bad recently. I don't know if you guys saw bad traffic recently. No. No. No, of course not. Not where we live. In the mountains. So I'm over in Silverthorne, and there's this section by the outlet malls. I'm going to try and draw up my best for you. I hope I can do it justice. So there's, picture this, and picture this large median here in the middle. And then it comes over like this. Yep, yep, yep. So the traffic's heading this way. There's a car here. I'm this car. This is Phil, right? So I'm going this direction. <laughs> And there's a turn in here to some stores, right? And then there's also a turn here. And there's a car here. Now, this guy's just going, and this all happens. But when you go back and you play it in your mind, it's happening very slowly. So here's how I see it. I'm traveling this direction. This guy's coming this direction. And here's this median. Oh, stop sign right here. Right? Stop sign. Very inconvenient things on the road for all of us. We blow them all the time. I've seen you do it. No one ever stops anymore. They roll stop. If you stop, everybody thinks you're letting them go. And so then they just keep going, and you're there all day. It's just what happens. Now, this guy, not a tourist. Not a tourist. Local. Local person. They've got the plates to prove it. Right? Z whatever. Okay. So there they are, local individual. Local individual sizes up and wants to go over here. <laughs> Local individual turns into oncoming traffic coming straight for me. I get about here and stop because what am I going to do? They're coming at me. Local person squeezes through here. This guy stops, and local person goes into here. <laughs> it was an amazing, amazing time. Um, I, I just, I'm just putting it up here because I want you to realize this. This person was clearly thinking about themselves and the shortest, most convenient route to get them from point A to point B where they were going. They realized that they didn't really want to stop at a stop sign and pull a U-turn and then travel all of this distance. You know, they just wanted to kind of cut here, cut here. The thing that I'd like to point out about 
even when you're thinking about yourself, other people are still included. Right? Most of the time, like, we can think, no, I'm just doing this for myself. Wait a second. There's more people in this picture that are going to be impacted and affected by whatever it is you're doing. Even when you're thinking about yourself, other people are still included in that story, in those actions, a part of those thoughts, a part of that process, whatever it might be. More than you is included there. Now, trick question, but I want you to look at this word. And I want you to tell me if it's singular or plural. Tony, shaking his head. He's like, I know English. <laughs> singular or plural? No, both. No, right. No, both. And, yes, no. <laughs> the English language is a train wreck for, right, most of, the, most of the time. English language. So when you see this word, you have to pull in all of the context and you have to say, so wait a second, I don't know. Is this plural or is this singular? What's going on in the context? I have no clue. No clue. Now, I would propose to you that in our individualistic society, our relentless pursuit of being independent and self-sufficient on our own has caused us to approach this word and see this word singular more and more and more. So when you see the word you, you don't really tend to think of it as plural. You tend to think of it as singular. I'm going to hopefully convince you tonight that we better start seeing that word as plural. We better start seeing you as a bigger part of you. That's where we're going to get to, okay? You as a bigger part of you. Now, one of the things I do love about the Christian tradition that I grew up in, that I was raised in, is this word right here. Because in the Christian tradition, they read the Bible. And this was a book written to a lot of people, and 99% of the yous in that book are plural, but everyone reads them as singulars. It's pretty interesting. The book was written to groups of people. It was actually read out loud to groups of people, received by groups of people. But when they took that word you and we grab a hold of it, it's this singular, singular word somehow. And we lose the plural dimension of it. Right away in that book, um, in the beginning, there's this book called Genesis or Beginning. And what I love about it, I got a highly, just quick, give you a highlight. But right away in the beginning of the book, it has one of those origin stories, like most religions, tribes, and cultures do. We have these stories that kind of orient us and give us grounding for the world in which we live. And so right away in the beginning of that book, what you have is, if I sum it up pretty crudely, you have this idea of humanity being placed into something, which I would argue is like the greater community of life. And then you have humanity given a task which is to care for the greater community of life, right? The origin stories are always like, wait, how do we get here? Why are we here? What are we doing? How are we supposed to live? Those kind of questions go on. And so right away, that's one of the best things I pull out of the Christian tradition, is that like I'm a part of something bigger, and actually my task is to help it thrive, help it grow, help it move forward. 
I love that about the Christian tradition. Now, if we kind of run with that just a little bit, I want to jump ahead. I'm not going to stay in the whole Christian thing all night, but I want you to know, if you flip over a couple more pages, there's a story quickly after about two brothers that get in an argument. Their names are Cain and Abel, and it's why a lot of people like don't name their kid Cain. But, <laughs> I know, right? Funny. Um, but, Cain and Abel have an argument, and then Cain kills Abel, right? And it's, it's, it's a classic story. I love it, simply because you have what's considered the divine, like, with humanity, having conversations. And so, Cain kills Abel, right? And then Cain ends up bumping into God, and God says, hey, where's your brother? And Cain says, I don't know. And then he follows up with one of my favorite phrases out of the Bible ever. Am I my brother's keeper? And God doesn't answer the question. It's kind of implied, though. Yes, stupid, you are, right? Like, it should be there, but it's not. So am I my brother's keeper? And then he says a question back to Cain. And he says, what have you done? What have you done? And then he says, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. All right. So that's possibly one of my favorite stories out of the Bible. But what have you done? I feel like if that were to happen right now, if there was an argument between two people, this could, this could totally happen today. An argument between two people, feelings were hurt, things were done. Maybe it wasn't a physical death, but it felt like one. And, and if like, God had to walk up to someone and say, what did you do? One of our answers would be, ah, it's not personal, it's just business. What other kind of excuses could we throw in there, right? If you say, like, am I my brother's keeper? Man, we're pushed back to this beginning place of, yeah, you are. You really, really are. We're in this together. This is one story, one ending. You are a part of a bigger you. And when you act on behalf of yourself, there are other people included. Those actions that you take have far-reaching implications on other people. It's bigger than you. Ann and I were talking about the Wellington neighborhood because we live back there. And we were talking about just the idea of you. And if we had to back up two centuries and bring someone forward, like if we could do that, granted, there would be all kinds of issues. Like if they watch TV, they would think all we do is take drugs, right? <laughs> because that's all you see on television now, it seems like. But, and they would listen to some of those side effects and be like, no, don't do that. But out in the Wellington neighborhood, what we find amazing is there's so many people living out there, and we share so little. And I can practically touch the house next to me, too, you know? And when I need to, if I ran out of sugar, I don't really call anybody up or run next door. I go all the way to City Market and put myself through that punishment. Like, I do it, right? Why? I don't know. And when my grass gets long and I have to mow it for the second time all summer long, 
I don't borrow someone's lawnmower. I buy one. Why? I mow like twice all summer long. It's ridiculous. You are a part of a bigger you. And we fail to see it in so many dimensions all the time, all the time around us. The things that we could be sharing, the ways that we could be connected, the things that we could do and help one another with. I believe that we're supposed to kind of conduct ourselves in a manner that sees and embraces a bigger picture, a plural you, a plural you. Now, science supports the plural you. You know that, right? Science, I mean, more and more and more all the time. I mean, they've gone so far as to say that you're made of stardust, right? Like, the stuff that makes up you made up other living things at one point, and now it makes up you, and once you're gone, the stuff that makes up you is going to go on to make other things. We live in a pretty closed system. We have had no new water enter our system ever. Did you know that? It's crazy. I think someone said once we might have had an asteroid crash and somehow there was moisture on it. So, I mean, you can get me there on that, but we're in a pretty close system. And so the minute we start thinking that's their problem over there, we quickly realize it's not just their problem, is it? It's ours if we follow it long enough. We share the same air. We share the same water. We share the same blue planet called home. It's not really their problem. It's our problem. You is definitely, definitely plural. How many times have you woken up and you've seen the smoke in the sky? And you're like, where's that coming from? We don't have a fire. And then later on on the news, you hear about some fire in Russia. And they're like, the smoke in our, you know, over there by the mountains, that's from Russia. Or you wake up and you find that gold dust on your car. You're like, where did that come from? And then they start telling you about something like across the world that brought it all the way here. And somehow the wind patterns and the atmosphere just boom. You, it's plural. It's plural. It's not you and me or us against them. It's not their problem over there. It's one story. One community, one rather large community of life in which we belong. This story has one ending, I think. And honestly, if we go down, then we go down together. It's, it's pretty true. I mean, back to the Titanic. Anne was telling me, she looked this up. This is supposed to be the original founders of Macy's. Right? Yeah. It was on Pinterest, so I don't know. That. <laughs> Somebody thinks that they were. Yeah. I would cite that in a paper I wrote, probably. Um, if we go down, then we go down together. I love that phrase. It implies this kind of like connectedness, this interdependence, this idea that like I'm with you, I'm for you, I'm not gonna bail. We're in this together. We're in it together. I would argue that's the kind of mentality and kind of approach to life that we need more and more and more of. A posture toward one another, a together kind of approach. Now, we do something here in More to Life called the generosity experiments. We try to do two a year. We already did one. And we did it back around the holidays in December. 
was something that none of us had to apply much effort or energy toward. But 15% of the money donated to Mortal Life gets used two times to do two generosity experiments over the course of one year, right? And so the first thing we did was we took $1,000 and we paid down someone's debt here locally. We found out that someone was in debt and we found out that $1,000 would help. And so we took $1,000 and paid down their debt. Now, we did it anonymously, so they don't know and none of us really know. And what we heard through connections was this person said, what? This kind of stuff never happens to me. I don't get it. And their friend said, who would do that for you? <laughs> who, would just, who would just take $1,000 and pay down your debt? That totally disrupts the balance and the order and the rules of things. It doesn't make any sense. They were desperately trying to figure out who did it and why this would happen. Last night, my sons and I and Anne were watching Master Chef Junior. Don't know if you guys have ever checked it out. Personal fan of Gordon Ramsay right here. I like the guy a lot. Um, but he started this show where kids cook better than most of you. And it's amazing. Now, this one particular episode that we were watching on Hulu, they had these like four kids up there and they're all cooking against one another and two of them are gonna be out and two of them are gonna be in. There's gonna be tears. It's gonna happen, right? Little kids, eight, six years old. So they're cooking and they're supposed to cook cupcakes. I hope you go watch this episode. They're supposed to cook cupcakes. And this poor boy, Dra Dradian, Dradian, that's his name, Dradian, um, his cupcakes weren't going so well. He put them in and he used a different kind of sugar because he thought it looked cool. Like on the backside, he didn't use the normal sugar that they like gave him. And for whatever reason, this sugar ratio to eggs, whatever, didn't work out. And it was unsalvageable. I mean, you couldn't do anything. You couldn't, you couldn't make it. So he's just in tears because he thinks he's out. He's only got 15 minutes left. He's got to make a batch of cupcakes. And so my boys in the room, none of us are like laughing at the poor kid. I kind of was. I take that back. <laughs> I, when I'm in a room like that, I feel like I have to take the other perspective, you know? And everybody in the room was feeling really sorry for him and sad. So I kind of had to be the devil's advocate just a little bit. But my boys are sitting there and they're like, oh. And every time the camera pans back to him and he's like, and they're like, oh, the poor kid. Oh my gosh, I can't believe what happened. They demonstrated Time and time again, as the camera kept coming back to him, he rallied and tried to make cupcakes. And then those were pretty sad, too, because he only had 15 minutes. Like, care, concern, and compassion welled up within my boys. And honestly, me too. And it was interesting because I've seen other competitions like this when it's adults. And I don't think we would have had the same compassion. But for some reason, it was a little boy named Dradian. And I just kept thinking, man, I wonder if we could see adults in the same light. 
I wonder if I could have the same care, compassion, and concern well up within me for an adult that had the same problem, rather than tear them down, or blame it on how they approached it, or the mistake that they made, or what they did that was wrong. I wonder if I could rally and actually not make fun of him, but actually kind of come alongside of him in my thoughts and in my mind and in my heart. Just today, um, I got caught up in a conversation with three other people, and we started talking about kind of some of the hard, the hard things in life. We were actually talking about Anne's deliveries. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and we got to talking about various things and how she was taken in an ambulance down to Denver and then how she was flown in a helicopter down to Denver. And it all started because I had a student, a Sky alumni, text me yesterday. He's sitting in class. He's studying to become a doctor. Sally, it's your boy. And he texts me and he goes, oh my God, Phil, I didn't realize how serious this was. I can't believe Anne lived through it. What a miracle. And he takes a picture of the words help syndrome that he's got, that he's studying in class. And so I brought this up when we were talking with some people today. And then one thing led to another and we all just started talking. And I, we quickly discovered that there was a person in the conversation who had just really gone through some really hard stuff. Like in the past like five-ish, six years. And um, we started talking about what helped, you know? What helped her get through those times? And she said, you know, it wasn't really anything um, said to me, you know, because oftentimes people say the dumbest stuff, is what she said. <laughs> and it's not really anything anybody said. Often it was just someone showing up and sitting with me and being with me. Sometimes people would drop by a, a meal, and that was like an added bonus. <laughs> I didn't have to think about cooking. But oftentimes, it was just someone being there. Because a lot of times, you, there are no words to say. You know, if you're going through something really difficult and really painful. I have one other thing to show you. I wanted to put this up here. There was a student in Troy, Ohio, that took it upon herself, starting back in September, she was folding these origami hearts. And she was hiding them in her closet at home. She made one for every student in her school, and she surprised them on February 14th. She went in the night before and got permission, and she kept herself anonymous. She put one of these origami hearts on every locker in her school, and she hand wrote on them, you are loved. I'm trying to give you guys some stories that demonstrate this phrase, what this phrase could look like, what it could mean, both, both positive and negative. Because I think when we see going down, if we go down, you think Titanic, it's a problem, it's an issue, something bad is happening. But maybe we can like erase some of this and erase some of this. Just put some blanks here. And maybe highlight the best word of it. But what can we do with that together approach? Better. Positive, negative, whatever it might be. One of my favorite stories ever came from my parents when they came out to visit here. And they were traveling back home. And they wound up at the airport. 
And I worked for Northwest Airlines for about a year, and it was right before September 11th. Um, and I worked for him, and I have never been yelled at so much in my entire life. I kid you not. Jeez, um, man, bags that were lost that I had never seen that were suddenly like I did something, you know, or like planes that couldn't fly, and I'm not a mechanic, and I don't have, I mean, just brutal abuse at the airport. Everybody's got their agenda, everybody's rushing, and they've got their plans. And my parents were at the airport, and there was a pretty deep line. And this one woman got to the front, and she had just said goodbye to someone, my parents said, so she was a mess. And she didn't want to get on the plane. And she was just standing in the front of the line, and the lady was like trying to get her to come up, and there was like one ticket agent, so it was her and this sobbing lady and a huge line. And my parents were in line, and this lady's just crying and crying, and it's taking longer and longer. And my parents said around them in line, everybody's complaining, you know, and everybody just wishes she would get out of the way. And she would like, you know, take her aside, do something. And my parents heard the lady behind the counter talking with her, and she said something like, I know there's nothing you can do. I'm just a wreck. I'm, I'm just emotional. I didn't want to, I don't want to leave, but I have to leave, blah, blah, blah. I know there's nothing you can do. And my parents said, the woman behind the counter said, that's not true. There is something I can do. And my parents said, she walked from around the counter and she just hugged her. And they stood there at the front of the line, both in tears, pissing everybody off, like <laughs> crying, you know? Man, I think she got the plural you. I'm not sure some people in line did. And I get it. We have schedules and we have things and we have deadlines and you have places to be. And most of the time, though, at the end of the day, most of it can be put off. Isn't there a phrase that says 99% of emergencies like, aren't an emergency at all? And it can be put off and it can be delayed. And you can actually consider the plural you. Um, I'll tell one other story. Uh, I think it was last year we had a Volvo. We bought the Volvo. Do you guys remember this story? Anne's always wanted a Volvo. Actually, we've always wanted a Volvo. But we've wanted a Volvo with the rear-facing back seat. So you have to buy an old one. And so we did. And it drove about two blocks from this guy's house and stopped working. And then I ended up taking it in and and I asked the Volvo dealership, I was like, seriously, just tell me now, is it worth fixing? He's like, it's gonna cost you more to fix this thing than you wanna put into it. And I said, okay. And he's like, you need to try and sell it to somebody. <sighs> no, that's what just happened to me. And that's why I'm upset and that's why I'm angry. I'm not going to turn this back around and put that back out into the universe and lay it on some poor person who signs and drives away and it breaks down like over there. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. What I could do was trade it into a dealership because they know what they're getting into. And they can look at the car and they can say that. Small perspective though. You know, are people out there to be taken advantage of? Is that why other people exist? <laughs> Like, are we supposed to do that? Or can you find a better way 
to work with people, to blend with people. Um, I truly believe that a better way is possible. I have to. I have hope in it. I'm like after that every single day. A better world in which you is plural, in which we are with and for one another, and we consistently practice being together, truly being together, not even tolerating one another, but being together and enjoying that. And for me, that looks like friendship kind of on this global scale. I always love to blow it up big and be like, man, if we could all be friends, wouldn't that be great? But I do want to read this to you. So some of us in this room are tackling this book. If you still want to jump on the bandwagon, just let me know. There's about 11 of us right now. We're tearing through this book, present over perfect, and then sometime near the end of March, we're going to get together and we're going to discuss this book. One meeting, all together, we'll talk about it. But I want to read you a section out of this book. All right, you ready? I'm going to a friend's party this week. It's a party for her child, and that means her family will be there. She texted last night to say, you know how my dad is sometimes, right? I feel worried about my dad at the party. I feel embarrassed. I texted back as quickly as I could, fingers tripping. I get it. I get him, and I love you. You don't have to worry about this with me, okay? We texted back and forth a little. Then all night I was thinking about the exchange. I've known her and therefore her family for more than two decades. We've known each other longer than we've known our husbands. We've known each other since before we could drive. But there's something so human about feeling embarrassed, about wanting to hide, about wanting to conceal and control the out of control and painful things about our lives and stories and families. Love, though, doesn't allow hiding. Love invites whole selves and whole stories out into the light. Friendship sees into us, into our secrets, into our elaborate games and excuses. Friendship carries all this mess together so that you don't have to hide, so that you carry it together. What a miracle. So that friend and I carry some things for one another. She knows some of the more painful, shameful parts of my story. I know some of hers. In our little tribe, we carry depression and addiction. We carry parents who drink too much and kids who struggle. We carry abortions and divorces and drug-using loved ones, ones who used to use, who still do, and ones we've lost because of it. We carry eating disorders and suicide. One night, one friend whispers in the circle, I don't believe in God anymore, and we carry that too. Because that's what friendship is. That's what it does. This little tribe may look squeaky clean, maybe like the kind of people who have no problems, like the kind of people who've only ever been swimming in the shallow end. But no one only lives in the shallow end. Life upends us all. And there's no sparkly exterior that can defend against disease and loss and cheating spouses. We carry depression and wounds and broken marriages. We carry addictions and diseases and scars. We carry it because that's what love is. That's what friendship is. So I'll walk into her party and I'll hug her tightly. And as I do, I'll say a prayer for her dad. I'll hug him too and maybe who knows how he'll be doing that night. With him, to be honest, I can't always tell. And if you happened to walk by the party that night, you might think, I'm not like any of those people. I have secrets. I've got problems, real problems, and family members who embarrass me. I'm afraid, and my secrets are the bad kinds. 
You'll see children running around and happy parents and you'll think you're not like any of them. But that's because you're not seeing what they carry for one another. I see it though because they're my people. I see each of us who are carrying those heavy weights together for one another on behalf of one another and it's the most beautiful thing I can think of. We're all so much more similar than we are different. Our secrets are largely the same. Our fears are largely the same. Marriages crack, addictions take hold, families break, decisions are made that can never be reversed. No one is exempt. My friend isn't alone. She won't be the only one at the party hoping that someone she loves pulls it together for a couple of hours. She won't be the only one wishing her story was different, neater, simpler. At some point in the party, I'll check in with another old friend. I've been carrying around his family's deception and betrayal and disease for decades, and I'm honored to do so. And he carries the broken parts of my family's story and my failures and regrets, because that's what we do. We carry the mess together. I thought that was pretty fitting for what we're talking about tonight. This phrase, if we go down, then we go down together. It's about carrying everything, the joy, the pain, the good, the bad, the ugly. Honestly, if we, then we together. We might as well just say friendship right here and just say that's friendship defined. If we go down, then we go down together. So, I'm trying to debate if I want to tell you this other story. I'll tell you one last story, and then I'll close. But um, Grandpa Seabach. Some of you might have heard this story before, but Grandpa Seabach. We would go out to my grandparents' house every Friday because they lived close enough. And during the summer months, my grandpa would always give us this brown bag it was amazing. We would always go out there and without fail, as we're leaving, he would pull out this brown bag and he would give it to my dad and we'd take it home. It was tomatoes. It was always tomatoes. My grandfather had this garden and he would grow tomatoes and he would give tomatoes to everybody. He didn't sell them. <laughs> he didn't exchange or barter. He just gave them away all the time because he thought they tasted good. And I always think about my grandfather when I see tomatoes. My dad loves tomatoes. I think my grandfather knew that. And I think there was a point where my grandmother didn't want my mom to marry my dad. And my grandfather was a very soft-spoken man. And uh, I mean, not too long ago, I told you, my grandmother canceled Christmas until she got the diamond ring she wanted, and then Christmas was back on that one year. Like, that's kind of how it rolled in that family. And I always think my grandfather was giving my dad tomatoes, just kind of, it's kind of like this under-the-table thing, you know? Like, I just think it was always that slight kind of inside thing that says, like, I love you, you're a part of the family, we... We appreciate you. And I know that my dad knows that now, but I think my grandfather just did that forever. 
to share the tomatoes and to just give away some goodness to be there. Reminds me a lot of this guy, Tony Campolo tells this story. He was walking on the sidewalk and he had this guy come up to him. He's in Philadelphia. It's like 80 degrees outside. And it was a homeless guy who had on like three coats and a huge big beard. He was just sweating profusely. And as he walked past this guy, this guy reached out to him and said, hey, you want to try this coffee? And Tony said, <laughs> he, looked at, he looked at the cup and it's a McDonald's cup of coffee which I don't know. I don't drink coffee, so I don't know if it's good or bad. But he was like, eh, McDonald's cup of coffee, not too great. Uh, you know, I guess, yeah, I'll take a sip of it. Uh. So he takes it and he kind of acts like he sips it. You know, he's like, oh, man, thank you, thank you. And he asked him, he said, why did you offer me a sip of coffee? And the guy looks at him, he said, because the coffee today was just exceptionally good. And I wanted you to have a taste. And Tony's like, dang, all right. And then he, he's feeling, you know, like, well, what can I give this guy, you know? And so he looks at the guy and he said, hey, so is there any way that I can help you out today? Is there anything I can do for you? And he starts reaching back into his pocket to pull out his wallet, to pull out the dollars, you know, to kind of help this guy out. And the guy says, yeah, can give me a hug. And Tony's like, oh, <laughs> to hear him describe it, he's like, that's like the last thing I really wanted to do was hug this dirty, sweaty, smelly guy on the side of the road. It's, it's not what I wanted to do. I would have much rather given him a dollar or anything <laughs> than the hug. But he said he, he toughed it out and he gave him the hug. Stuck his arms out. He said the minute he stuck his arms out, the guy just like reached him and gave him a big bear hug and squeezed him, pulled him off the ground, knocked him down. He said it was a great experience. I want you guys to remember tonight, you is plural. It's plural. It's plural. Even when you think it's not and you think you're doing something on your own in our culture, someone else is included. You're impacting someone somehow. It's happening. It is, it is, it is. You is plural. I want you to remember that. I want you to remember the phrase, if we go down, then we go down together. And how it implies the fact that we're with one another, we're for one another, we're doing this together. How can you be on the lookout for that? In positive ways and negative ways. I think a lot of times we respond really well to like when people have things happen you know, even though we don't have the right words to say, sometimes we rally quickly to people. But it's also just on a daily basis, like when you're with people. I mean, we used to do this thing called the goodness epidemic through Summit County Youth. And I tried to tell students, I mean, hold the door open for people and just watch people's faces now. When you do something for someone else, when you look out for their best interests or when you put them first, watch their reactions. Watch their reactions. Until next time, friends, may you begin to see more than your singular self. And may you discover the bigger you. May you demonstrate love in new and exciting ways as you care for the community of life around you. And may you practice true friendship, authentic friendship, the sort that embodies love, sacrifice, healing, and togetherness. And remember, if you go down, 
then we go down together. Amen. So, we'll be back here in a couple weeks. We'll be back here in a couple weeks. We'll be talking about the word go. Just one word, go. And it's going to be good. But I thank you guys for coming tonight. Don't forget to grab desserts on your way out. If you do want to read this book and get together and discuss it by the end of March, come see me. Just tell me afterwards, like, hey, I want to be included on that email. I want to be a part of that list. And piggybacking off of two weeks ago, go and have a day tomorrow, good or bad, anywhere on the spectrum. And I hope that you just look a little bit bigger for the plural you. We'll see you in a couple weeks back at More to Life.